Father, we've come to you. We've come to hear from you through your spirit. And therefore this morning we pray that you would grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation <clears throat> that we might know the hope to which we have, we have been called. And Lord, enable us to take our eyes away from the temporal and to fix our eyes on the eternal one. Just not an eternity. On the eternal unchanging God. For this is life eternal is what your word says. To know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And therefore this morning I pray Lord. From the temporal. This morning. To the eternal one. The unchanging one. Turn our eyes O Lord. And enable us to fix our eyes upon him. The author and the finisher of our faith. To that end I pray that you would bless the meditation of today's word. And prepare us through the ministry of the word. By the washing of water by the word. Causing our inner man to burn by the word. By the exposition of the scriptures. Make us a prepared, a little more, a little more prepared, a little more prepared for your coming. Bless us this morning. Visit us this morning. Each one of us individually meet us at the point of need. Our need specifically, even through the ministry of the word. Thank you. Come at this time into your hands. Anoint us all afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, few years back, uh, Sister Elsa gave us a book by Derek Prince called Declaring God's Word. Declaring God's Word uh, as, a, as a devotional. And uh, so we do it as our daily readings with our family. Every day in the night we have a reading. And uh, typically he every week he has a series. Every month he has a series. And then every week he kind of, um, um, you know, dissects them into bite-sized capsules and just keeps a particular theme. And September was uh, on adoption. I mean, uh, what I mean, uh, that we are all adopted as a family of God, that how Jesus adopted us, and uh, we don't have to fear because uh, God, God has not given us a spirit of bondage that takes us back to fear, but, by, but he has given us a spirit of adoption by which we call out Abba, Father. Right? So, and it, you know, it was, he was going through the scriptures and suddenly in, during that, that, uh, series of, uh, of devotions that we were going through as a family, there was a last week on adoption. Suddenly it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That was an entire week. Entire week. I mean, this was at least one week before the Gaza war took place. And I was wondering, Lord, I mean, suddenly this, this seems so out of context, no? And I said, okay, fine. And, 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 uh, and I was, uh, uh, you know, teaching. I mean, we just have a reading and then I just try to explain it a little bit. And then we just pray. That is the modus operandi. And then I was like thinking, sort of so strange how God just fits in this thing about pray for the peace of Jerusalem in the, it sounds so out of context. And then later I realized after three, four days, Bombing starts in, in Gaza. 
and then god brings us back brings the, that that devotion back to remembrance and he says you know what this is the reason why i was warning you and uh, we've been living in we are living in extraordinary times and uh, i've seen jews from close quarters i've studied under them and i worked with them also <laughs> i had uh, one jewish prof- professor when i was uh, studying in mcgill in canada her name is hanna mikalska brilliant lady one of the most brilliant teachers i've seen um, uh, in i mean in my life the way she explains complex concepts hanna mikalska then i i worked with another guy called kemeli alan rabat i mean his name is another he's a he's a he's a, he's a scientist from um, from um, uh, the canadian space agency and i was i was working on a project which i messed up real bad so he fired me so <laughs> so so i i know i know these are these pe- these people are you know they're driven people they're brilliant people and um, and then i i also saw this 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 extreme of intelligence and success in the jewish among the jewish people and then i also saw another extreme in this in in, in them one day i was just walking down uh, one of the streets in canada and i it was snowing like crazy you know and then um, this jew with his with his yamuka comes starts walking towards me and and he looks at me you know i was on the phone talking to justin in those days we were quoting so long distance relationship right so he was i, was, I said okay i'll just call you back and i put my put the phone down and i said Uh, how can i help you sir 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 uh, can you just spare me some change sir i'm hungry <laughs> and i looked at him and said hanam kalska kelinia kemilia landrubats and this man i mean what a contrast and then suddenly the lord told me you know from um, genesis chapter 12 this is the son of abraham i will bless those who bless them and i will curse those who curse them and i said lord whatever i have in my pocket i'm going to give it to this man i don't know how much i gave to him and i just whatever i just emptied my pocket and then i just gave it gave it and he went and had his lunch any little later on i i know how god visited me and how he blessed me because of that small act of 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 um, of uh, kindness that i showed to his people that is the reason why if you read matthew chapter 25 he is going to divide the nations into two parts divide the nations into two parts he is going to judge them as to how they are going to deal with god's people the the sheep and the goats and the sheep are those people whom they see the least of the brethren among the jewish people when they are hungry you feed them when they are naked you clothe them when in your, when they are in the prison you visit them And you know what Jesus says as much as you have done to one of the least of these my brothers I will do it do it unto you I was incredibly blessed blessed by another Jewish believer whom I followed with all my all of my heart and and I've introduced that to several several of my brothers in the church they've all fallen in love with him no other cats I'm, I'm sure you know him I was incredibly blessed by his testimony. So many of my teachings have been influenced. The thought process that I have have been influenced at my uh, by my by that man. And I remember one day when I was in um, Auntie Saroja's home. How many of you remember Auntie Saroja? Right? She invited us to a 
<laughs> Bible study for Christmas. You know, it was a Christmas Day meeting, so she had a small get together of all her friends and of uh, and family. So she invited me to share the word that day. So it was packed with elderly people, a few young people there, here and there, and then and then I started sharing from Philippians chapter two, where Jesus emptied himself of all reputation, etc. And I went through all the process. No, I mean that entire passage. I don't exactly know what I what I shared. And then uh, after the services, after the meeting was over, there was one lady who was sitting right there in the in the in the in the meeting. And first, in the, initially, she looked at me and she, she looked at me very indifferently. You know, she's like, "Okay, who is this guy?" And and she just kind of ignored me. And after a while, even though even after the sharing was started started, she looked at me. She became more intent, and you know. And then after the meeting was over, she came to me and she shook my hands and she said, "Brother, that was a meaty word." I said, "Thank you, sister. Praise God." And she said, with hesitation, uh, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, yes, please. Do you know Arthur Cads? <laughs> I said, I, I was shocked right in the middle of the meeting, you know. Do you know Arthur Cads? I said, of course, of course I know Art Cads. I mean, I, I literally was mentored by him during my, uh, during my discipleship days. And I mean, I didn't meet him personally, but I, I accessed so many of his teachings. And she said, when I was hearing you, I felt as if I, 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 was, I was hearing him. And my husband was personally discipled by other cats. And again, <laughs> another, another thing, okay. One day, one of our, one of our church members, his name is, uh, his name is, uh, what's his name? Akshat, yeah. Yeah, Akshat, no, he comes to me, pastor, 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 I want to give you something. I said, what is it? He gave, gives me a book, True Fellowship. And I opened the book, personally signed by Arthur Katz. You know where he found it? He found it on the streets of Hyderabad. In that, you know, Koti, they, they sell books on Sundays. He, he found that book there, lying there. And he looked at the treasure. Somebody threw it. I don't know who that person is. I have pity, pity upon him. <laughs> Madman. Huh? Now it entered into my library. Now it's there in my library. No? See, we are living in those times and I believe, I, I don't know, I'm not trying to, trying to be so prophetic or anything. I believe there is going to be a kind of a scattering of the Jews in the last days. Because the entire world will be against them. And how we are going to treat the least of these, our brothers... Is going to character is going to determine our eternal and future rewards with God. So we are living in extraordinary times. Extraordinary times. So whenever the bombing happens in Israel, you know, I don't care about the attitude of the Jewish people towards the Messiah. He is incredible incredibly patient with them. You know, think about it, no? Think about it. He made a covenant with Abraham. You know what they said? When Jesus was being crucified on 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 the, on the cross and he was being handed over to be put to death, you know you know what they were you know what they said. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And in spite of all that, look at the faithfulness of God that He still keeps His covenant with His people. That is the reason why we've been studying on the series of love on love, because we want to know what kind of love this is. This is a covenantal love. He put Abraham to sleep. And he walked between those animals which were cut into two. 
saying that if any one of us, either parties, is going to not keep the terms of the covenant, I will take responsibility for that. That is the kind of passion that he has towards his people. Of course, we don't condone the actions that the Jewish people do. Many of them are secular. They they hate Christians. They hate Jesus. They, They call him all kinds of names. Notwithstanding that, we still love them. You know why? If it were not for the Jewish people, I don't have this. To them were given the oracles of God, the Bible says. The Bible that you read is a treasure that was passed to us in different kind, different languages is because they remained faithful in transferring that to every generation. And those days there were scribes. They wrote it down. They copied it from generation to generation. So we have, we over debt. We over debt to them. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Oh, it doesn't affect me. It affects all of us. Let me tell you, it affects all of us. You, you don't have to be worried about the war in Ukraine. But boy, you should start thinking about the war that is happening in Gaza. It's like Methuselah. <laughs> when something happens over here, judgment is there. Okay. So, 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 so what, what is today's meditation? I was thinking about what a share and uh, I was reading several things that through the week, my goodness, I mean, so many thoughts that came into my mind, but I just wanted to zero in on one person. A man who kept his heart burning for God for a long time. You know, some people are like a Diwali cracker. Burn, burn, gone. That is how they burn. After that, never, never to be seen. But one man of God is a very bad analogy, but I get it. You know, he said you should burn like a cigar. <laughs> Gradually. Continuously. Consistently. Till the end. I want to look at that man, one man who burned for God. No, and, and, and his, and, uh, he is mentioned in different passages in the Bible and we looked at a part of it, uh, yesterday and today we'll look at another aspect of from his life, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 36 onwards. It says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven and uh, uh, the other translations will also add, not even the son of man, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the son of man. B, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So directly one paradigm has been given in the Bible. You see, there are three paradigms at least in the Bible about people who were prepared. Okay. And one of the things that you need to understand even as you see all these wars and rumors of wars, you know, birth pangs, the frequency will keep on increasing of the birth pangs even as the date is approaching. Okay? So be prepared. 
more number of at, at greater frequencies you will hear wars taking place you will hear earthquakes happening and one of the things that we have that has happened to us is we, we become so desensitized we are more concerned about india pakistan match than what is happening in jerusalem you are going to jump and dance and think about it no and suddenly one nuke bomb will fall on your head what is going to happen to you what is going to happen to you? Think. We become so decent. You know what, 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 what entertainment has done to us? It has make, made us dull. I'm going to talk about that today. You know, I don't want to go ahead of myself. So we have, we have three paradigms, at least, I mean, three paradigms very clearly in the Bible. One is the paradigm of Enoch, who was warned of the judgment to come. Because God gave him a son after he walked with God for uh, 60 years, right? 65 years, God gave him a son. And then after that, he walked with God for 300 years. And God asked him to name his son Methuselah, which means very simply, which, which means that when he dies, judgment comes. And in the light of the judgment, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and he was not and he was taken. A picture of the rapture of the church. A person who was prepared, he was... Uh, personally accountable to God and one individual who was raptured. This, this, that means he was a guy, is a type of a believer or a type of a church which escaped the coming judgment. A paradigm. That's a type. There's another type, of course, which is, a, which is, uh, which is of course, again, uh, this uh, passage talks about, as in the days of Noah. Noah is a type of a believer who comes through judgment. In other words, he also escapes judgment. Okay? And uh, there is a lot of uh, similarities between Enoch and Noah, uh, except that Enoch was raptured alone, but uh, Noah was able to save his entire household. Okay, so we're not trying to judge either of them. We're just trying to look at the paradigms over there. And uh, uh, you see that Enoch Enoch walked with God. The Bible says uh, Noah also walked with God. So there's a type of a believer who comes through judgment, escapes judgment. And uh, Jesus also says uh, in Mark's gospel, chapter 13, if I'm right, he says, uh, uh, you should make yourself worthy so that you can escape all these things that are happening around the world and stand before the son of God blameless. So we'll see that Noah was a man who was perfect or blameless in his generations and uh, he walked with God as well. Then of course we also have a type of a believer in Lot who is a believer who, uh, who, who escaped judgment in that he lost all his rewards. Everything that he built was burnt up in fire and he just came through fire only with his salvation. So we have all three kinds of believers. The, the fact of the matter though is here, I mean, we are not looking at Lot. We looked at Lot yesterday. I mean, you should uh, listen to uh, teaching, yesterday's teaching. But we want to look at the life of Noah. Noah's life as to how he prepared himself, how he burned for God. I, I want you to uh, think about that word, burn, okay? B-U-R-N, burn for God. Okay, that's going to be uh, the title for today's teaching. And did not, uh, so he is a, he's a type of a believer who came through the judgment and he was able to stand before the judgment of, uh, to, before God and, you know, and he inherited everything. The Bible says, he, the meek of the earth, the meek shall inherit the earth. Okay. And, uh, Noah's a type of, type of a believer, uh, 
the old earth is judged, the new heavens and the new earth is being inherited by him. So if you look at the life of Noah, we can look at so many aspects of his life, but precisely and in a very abstract way and in a very concise manner, his life is encapsulated for us in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse number 7. This is what it says about Noah. Noah, chapter 11. Noah, this is about you today. Okay, Noah, your namesake. Okay, Noah. <laughs> by faith, Noah. It says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things yet not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and he became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. One verse. The entire life of Noah is encapsulated in one verse. If I have to write a paper on Noah, the abstract is going to be this. <laughs> okay, introduction. This is the life of Noah. So, I just want to kind of picturize this so that for us to easily understand. It says, by faith Noah. Now, how did he get this faith? The reason why he got this faith, we know that faith comes by Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he was a m- man who took divine warnings seriously. You know, gee, Pastor was kept, kept on saying that. I'm warning you from the pulpit. I'm warning you from the pulpit. I'm warning you from the pulpit. And he said, why? This is what I wanted to talk about this morning. Okay. So by faith, Noah, he got this faith because he took the divine warnings of God seriously. And how do we know that he took the divine warnings of God seriously? It resulted in three specific actions in his life. What are those three specific actions? First, he was moved with godly fear. Second, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Third, he condemned the world. So, We have a man who is growing in faith. The reason why he became strong in faith is because he took divine warnings of things not yet seen. Because the things that are seen are what? Temporary. Things which are not seen are what? Eternal. And I'm telling you, eternity is just not endlessness of time. Eternity is having our date with the eternal one. For this is life eternal. That is the reason why the, uh, Paul says in the book of uh, Second Corinthians, he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So, you know, some alarm clocks have um, snooze buttons. Okay? So, so you get up in the morning and you, the alarm goes off, what do you say? Snooze. But every 10 minutes that fellow will be snoozing. He'll be blowing the alarm. Why? Because you have an appointment at around 11 o'clock. If you don't get up now, you'll miss that appointment. Exactly what is happening now. God is sounding the alarm. We are snoozing. <laughs> and he's resounding it again. <laughs> Why? Because we have an appointment with whom? Not with the Antichrist. That's easy. Don't fear those who can kill your body. But with God. And that is going to be one interesting examination. Mm -hmm. So, he was, he moved with godly fear. He prepared. He condemned the world. And as a result of all this, as a result of all this, what happened to him? He became heir. He who overcomes 
will inherit all things. So I want to look at Noah this morning. Noah, Noah, Noah. Noah walked with God. What did he do? How did this faith come about? The first thing that he heeded to divine warnings. Warnings. Heeded to divine warnings. There's a Scottish preacher. His name is John Harper. How many of you heard his name, John Harper? You heard John Harper? Oh, who is he? If I were to ask you this question. Okay. Fine. Maybe there are several John Harpers, but maybe I'm not, you're not not, uh, thinking about the one I'm mentioning. There was a Scottish preacher by name John Harper. He was invited to America for three months revival service, revival meetings. So he booked us ship tickets those days. We don't have flight tickets. Okay. Ship tickets. So he was scheduled to sail on, on a particular date to reach America and then uh, start off a series of revival meetings. And eventually, I believe it was also being considered uh, to take over the Moody church. That was uh, Scottish preacher John Harper. He was a widower. He lost his wife when, he was, when his wife was uh, giving birth to their only daughter. So John Harper... He booked his tickets to sail to America. But then what happened was uh, Titanic started. I mean, uh, there was they, they announced that Titanic was also going to sail across the Atlantic, reaching North America. So what did he do? He rebooked his tickets. Cancelled his tickets. He re- rebooked his tickets to sail on the, on the Titanic. So many of this... Uh, <coughs> Uh, friends, they came, they came and said, you know, why are you doing this? I mean, take it easy. And, and, and he, and he said, he, these are, these are his, uh, the words of, in his testimony. He says, God told me not to sail on that ship, but to sail on this ship only. So I'm obeying God. So they started on this maiden journey from the, from England to, to North America. And b- by the way, what is Titanic, what does Titanic mean? Anybody knows? The unsinkable. That's what it means. That's the only thing it is, it is famous for. What? That it sank. Okay. <laughs> so the unsinkable. And one guy, one engineer, he became seriously so fired up about Titanic and he made a boasting. He said, you know what? Even the gods cannot sink the, sink the Titanic. Okay. Beat as may, uh, beat, however, however he started sailing. So he sailed on this boat and then he's uh, on, on, you know, the, 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 the day that, uh, it hit the iceberg. This is on the 14th of April, nine, uh, sorry, um, uh, the, 14th of April, 1912, 14th of April, 1912, it hit the iceberg and it started sinking. It started taking in water. So he had his small child with him and he also had the nanny. So John Harper, he put on his life vest. The Titanic is going to sink in a few minutes time now. He started taking his, he took a text from Acts chapter 16 and before he started preaching, he said, women, children and the unsaved get into the lifeboats. Women, children and the unsaved get into the lifeboats. And then they asked the question, who are the unsaved? And he said, 
And he started preaching and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. And he started preaching and preaching and preaching. Just that one word. One guy was irritated. He came to him and he said, you know what? We don't need your preaching anymore now. We need help. We need practical advice as to how to escape what, what is happening to us. He said, brother, with tears in his eyes, he looked at him and he said, brother, it seems that you need this life jacket more than I do. So that guy didn't have, did not have his life jacket. So he took away his life jacket and gave it to him. And he just ignored his voice and he started preaching. He uh, took, took his child, gave it to the nanny, put her on the lifeboat and they sailed away. And he started shouting at the top of his voice, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And after a while, the ship sank. Parts of the ship broke. And there was a young steward on the ship. He was holding on to that board and he was, you know, trying to save his life. He was scared and at that moment, he started praying. He said, Lord, if you can please get me out of this mess. At at that very moment, Harper comes, John Harper comes with his, you know, he was also holding on to one uh, part of the part of the ship. He comes to him and he looks at this young man. He says, young man, you look miserable. <laughs> Are you saved? And he said, no, sir, I'm not saved. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And suddenly there's a current which comes and separates the two. And then, as fate would have it, <laughs> after 10 minutes, the current again brings them back close to each other again. And this time, this guy does not have a a, 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 a life jacket. He's freezing in the Atlantic waters. His voice is becoming even more weak. And he looks at his young man. Young man, why are you still not made a decision? Have you made a decision? He says, sir, I'm still considering. Young man, you're going to die very soon. You You should be ready to meet your maker. Are you saved? He said, no, sir, I'm not saved. And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved at that moment. This young man repents of his sin, gives his life to Jesus. And then this poor preacher, not poor preacher, this young preacher, 39 years old, 39 years old, in the freezing waters of the Atlantic, drowns just like that right in front of these stewards' eyes. Five months later, there is a meeting of all the survivors of the Atlantic. In Halifax, Canada. And then, people are sharing their testimonies as to how they got saved. And this man, George Cavill is his name. He gets up in the midst of all these people and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, I am the last convert of the great Reverend John Harper. While he was drowning into the sea, this is what he said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I t- received Jesus into my heart. And I said, Lord, if you save me, I will live the rest of my life for you. I am here because I heeded to the warnings of a dying and a drowning preacher. And I was thinking about that story. I was thinking about that story. I was just tra- trying to reminisce that story into my own mind, into my own heart. You are not drowning, many of you. What will it take for you to heed to the warnings of God? 
and take action. When you will, when will you make your decision? Preaching after preaching, week after week, Sunday after Sunday. Some of our children, they go to Christian schools, <laughs> Christian environment, Christian studies, Christian teachers, Christian spanking, which is not spanking. Only admonishing, by the way. Oh, you think, you think, because uh, they are living, they are studying in a Christian school and they have a Christian environment and everything is Christian, Christian. Children are born and sin shaped in iniquity. Even there they will cheat. And the point is, they think that you are dumb. That you will not catch them. So, I mean, right in front of our, your eyes, they will, they will cheat. You ignore it after a while, just hoping that, you know, this guy is going to change. Then later on, you have to accost him and say, oh, boy, what's going on? What's going on? Of course, we don't have any spanking. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> you will be saved. Warning. I mean, just thinking about that. Warnings after warnings. The Bible says that, you know, during the days of Jeremiah, this is what Jeremiah says in, in several places in Jeremiah. I sent to you my prophets rising up early. But you did not hearken to them. What was it? Turn from your wicked ways. Repent of your sins. You see, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. But how can they hear without a, excuse me, preacher? You know, that story is so incredible. For that guy to believe there's a dying preacher who comes and visits him. God gives you preachers who preach the word week after week, month after month, year after year. Are you saved? Are you saved? Question, are you saved? Really? Are you truly, truly saved? Acts chapter 10 verse 22. This is what it says. Acts chapter 10 verse 22. And they said, and they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and the one who feareth God and of good report among all the nation of Jews was warned by God. What was the dream about? What was this dream about? It was a, what was it? It was a warning. Oh, Cornelius, Cornelius, Cornelius. I know you're doing a lot of good works. You're going, you're 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 giving a lot of arms. You're a just man. You're a devout man. You're a one who fears God. But let me tell you something. Send for this man called the preacher to hear the words. And what kind of words? Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. This is Simon Peter's testimony. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send me to Joppa. And call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Saved, saved. The question this morning, for all of us, all of us, don't take these things for granted, okay? Bible says very clearly, make your calling and election, how? Sure. Because there's only one exam. There's no repeat. There's no March. There's no September. And then again after March, it's not like, uh, what is that, B-Tech, that you can have several appearances to the exam. No. There is one appearance. After that, the rewards are eternal. The judgment is eternal. 
So what did they do? When they heard the words, they did not trust in their works. They did not trust in their, in their, in the, in the fear of God that they had. They did not trust in their righteousness. No, 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 no. You know what they did? It says in Acts chapter 11, this is what it says. Acts chapter 11 verse 18. When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God saying, God also, what? Granted to the reptile, uh, Gentiles, what? Repentance. What did, what did God grant them? Repentance. See? The words of warning will cause you to repent. That's the stage one. See, the faith of Noah starts, is a type of a believer, as I said, is a type of a believer who heeds the warnings of God very seriously. And one of the things that he does every day of his life, he wants to be absolutely sure that he is saved. Okay? I mean, I'm not, this is not condemnation, by the way. Don't misunderstand me. This is not condemnation. To make your calling and your election sure. There are certain proofs that people who are saved have. They have some characteristics. If you have those characteristics, you are saved. What is one of the characteristics that, that characteristics the Bible says? As newborn babies, what should you do? Desire the pure milk of the word of God. But before you desire the pure milk of the word of God, if you have tasted that the Lord is good, you have to desire the pure milk. What should you do? You put away all lying, all evil speaking, all malice, all pretense and desire. In other words, remove all those things in your life which will steal your taste for the word of God. I give this example in our own homes. My children love biryani. For biryani, there's a preparation. What is the preparation? Preparation to eat. Okay, it's not preparation for the biryani. Okay. So this this is their preparation. Before they eat biryani, they will not eat, eat anything. After they eat biryani, they will not eat anything. Why? Before they eat biryani, they say, you know what? We do not want any of those other things to touch our tongue. Because it will steal the taste for biryani. After they eat the biryani, we want to, we want, we don't want to allow any of those things to touch our tongue because we want to savor the taste of biryani. Similarly with the word of God. You nicely watch World Cup match yesterday. You did not come to pastor's conference. Hmm? You enjoyed India-Pakistan. Okay, you've watched four hours, Baba. At least highlights, okay, I can still ex- excuse you. You watched four hours, five hours. And you also watched one movie. And you think on Sunday morning, you will desire the sincere milk of the word of God when you are insincere. Impossible. Impossible. How many of you think, that you, how many of you really came to, to the house of God expecting to hear from God and Lord, I crave for this milk. That is how you know that you are saved. Otherwise you are just fooling yourself. <laughs> Understand that. Today's pastor's conference was so different actually after, I mean, maybe because we missed it so much. Of course we missed it so much, but it was so different. Did you hear? It's freely available. Freely we receive. Freely we give. But you know what? That day don't pay a price for not hearing and obeying. There's a desire for God's word. Do you have that hunger? That's the reason why A.W. Tozer says, no, show me the condition of your Bible. I will tell you the condition of your soul. Because the time will come when people will not be able to endure what? Sound teaching. 
Sound doctrine. Because they have lost the taste for the word of God. Because they have cluttered their tongues with so many other tastes. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. So after you come into the kingdom, this is what it says again. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Who served the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed. In other words, divinely warned when he was about to make the tabernacle for he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern that is shown. That is an instruction again. So once you are saved, there There is another divine warning and divine pattern and divine instruction as to how you should build your lives as believers. Because there is a pattern of this world and there is a pattern in the kingdom. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 will say this, right? This is what it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world or this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is God's good, pleasing and the perfect will. So, there are two patterns to build a house. Pattern of the husband. Husband, love your wives. That is the pattern. So yesterday we looked at two patterns. We looked at Abraham as a leader of his home. Father and a husband. You found You also found Lot as a leader of his home. Lot as a husband and as a father. Both lived their, built their lives according to pattern. One, the pattern of this world. The other, the pattern that God, God showed. I mean, this is what it says about, uh, about Abraham. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 18. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him in order that he may command his children. Why? You know what? Abraham had a fantastic influence over his children. His children never disobeyed him. They always honored him. Because he led by example. You will never find Abraham lazy. Never. Even when he's 99 years old, the Lord appears to him and he says, okay, <clears throat> you and your entire household should be circumcised. Abraham doesn't say, you know, you young fellows, I'm too old to get circumcised, you get circumcised. He doesn't say that. All of them get circumcised. It's not easy. Okay. And when Jesus comes to visit his home, he's running. He's leading by example. No? I mean, we, if you were uh, there in the, in the Nepali meetings, we're looking at servant leadership. A- Abraham is a type of servant leadership. And one of the things that, I, that, that really captivates me about Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 13. This is what it says about Abraham. Now, Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. What did he do? He harmed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Who led him? Abraham. A pattern. So, they know this man. He doesn't just sit on the easy chair and give instructions. <coughs> he leads from the front. So, it says in Genesis chapter 13, he divided his forces against them by night and he and his servants, look at the, look at the order, he and his servants attacked them and pursued them. Meaning what? This guy was in the front. 
He risked his life. I think by this time he was possibly around 75 years old, 75, close to 80 years old. 80 year old man risking his life for a brother who is ungrateful. Led from the front. He had a remarkable testimony in that he had authority in his household. So when they spoke, when he spoke, they obeyed. The patterns, the patterns about for Sarah, the husbands and fathers, the patterns for Sarah, the type, I mean, this is one of the patterns that God gives for the wives. This is what it says in First Peter chapter 3. Let, do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging of the hair, wearing of gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. And the next verse it says, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Okay? I like this word, own husbands. In other words, you, there is a particular kind of a submission uh, or, a, or, a, or, a, or an attitude you have to have towards your own husband. Okay? As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I'm not saying that you should call your husband Lord. My wife has my name in her, in her, in her uh, mobile phone, you know, my Lord. That's my name, okay? My, her name is wife. My, her name, my name on her mobile phone is my Lord. We know, it's my Lord. She's trying to imitate Abraham, oh, sorry, Sarah. So, the point here is this. My Lord meaning what? Submissive to the husband. That's the pattern. And then again, of course, the pattern we have of children. What is that pattern? Isaac died on the altar, did not raise his voice. He did not say, Daddy, what are you doing to me? I mean, think about our children, no? Taking them to school is a big process for us. Okay? We have to drag him to school. You have to put him into, into, the, into, the, into, the, into the class and that fellow starts weeping and crying and before the mother changes her heart, the husband has to drag the mother out. Why? My son is getting tortured in school. You can't uh, stand that. So, think about husband, like Isaac, Isaac said, Isaac said, Daddy, what are you doing to me? Who's the sacrifice? You are the sacrifice. Okay, Daddy, do one thing. Tie me. Tie me to the altar. Okay. Tie me to the altar. Because otherwise I'll run. Submissive. Obeyed his parents. That's a pattern. There's a pattern, pattern, pattern. You know why? One of the things about the last days will be one of the things will be ungrateful children and disobedient children. That's a pattern in the last days. Ungrateful and disobedient to parents. Unthankful, ungrateful, disobedient to parents. And what is the constant refrain of parents? My son, does not listen to me. Na chepina mata vinane vinadu. Just think about that, children. If your parents can say about you, my daughter, my son, listens to me. A pattern. This is a pattern. Okay. So, he took warnings of God seriously. 
The patterns which were shown to him seriously. That is how his faith was established. Understand this, my dear children. I mean, this is this is serious. Okay, this is, don't don't take these things lightly. I mean, if if you were to ask, I mean, if you ask your yourself the same question, what will be the testimony of my boss? What will be the testimony of my mother or my father? What will be the testimony of my pastor about me? Because I'll tell you something very very serious. Okay, on that day. God is going to ask an account from your pastor. It says in Hebrews chapter 13. Because they have to give an account for your souls, so behave in a manner which will not grieve them. You know, recommendation letters. So, for example, Vijay is going to come before the judgment seat of Christ. Who is going to accompany him? Pastor James will be there. What do you say? Pastor James, your uh, junior pastor, your recommendation please. Think about that. That day he cannot say, no, no, faster, just overlook. God overlook his faults. He cannot say that. This is what he was. This is what he was. This is what he was. I'm just using my own example. So that you will not get offended. Recommendation from your pastor. Because he will ask. An account from the pastors, it says. If the pastor says, Lord, these people are grievous, Lord. It is not profitable for you. So you are you to take these warnings very seriously. Very, very seriously. I mean, think about a church which says, Lord, I want to be a blessing wherever I am. Whatever my pastor asks me to do, I will do it with all of my heart and I will be wholly committed to it. That is the next step. He was moved with you know what the the word for mood mood with godly fear you know what is a it doesn't mean that you're it just not doesn't just not that just does not mean that you fear god you fear judgment no you know I, i'll give you an example as to what what this fear is all about okay i'll give you an example you know pastor often often uses that example that you know when the the wedding vows are about to be pronounced or being exchanged the question or rather the exhortation given to the young couple and all the audiences the entire witnesses who are witnessing the wedding. This is a holy estate which was instituted by God in, during the days of man's innocence and therefore it should not be entered into. How? Inadvisedly or lightly but discreetly, reverently and in the fear of God and to this holy estate. Stanley and Akila. You know, when I hear that, 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 my heart starts beating. What is it? It is a holy estate. That is the kind of fear he's talking about. And one of the exchanges is that, do you, Akila, just giving you an example, okay? Take Stanley to be your wedded husband and forsaking all are you going to be completely devoted to this man? As long as death do your part in sickness or in health, in riches or in poverty. Your heart should start beating. Dug, 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 dug. Yes, I do. What are you doing? Forsake. 
forsaking all. You know what that is? That is moved with godly fear. Meaning you have become totally, completely devoted to God. That's what it means. Devout. You know what the word devout means? The person who has entered into a war with God. He has exchanged vows with God. That's what baptism is. Forsaking all. You know, one of the most scariest days of my life was the day I was exchanging words with my wife. You will not see my see me smiling on any of my pictures. You will not see it because I was like very serious, tensed. First of all, I was looking at her. Do does any one of you have any objection? Do, 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 please say yes. Please say yes. Please say yes. That's what I was saying. She said, "Okay, no objection." I said, "Okay," and then started the covenants. The covenant questions. Forsaking all. Forsaking all. Separated only unto this man. Till death do you part. Serious. I remember one of the Bible studies the pastor was taking in in uh, in uh, Begambit. Roman, he was studying, he was teaching from Romans. And in one of the studies, he, he mentioned about, he looked at one sister, he was talking about separation from the world. He looked at one sister and he said, sister, he looked at his brother and sister who were married for, for quite some time. And he said, sister, you're, you're married, right? Both of you are married. I know you guys love each other a lot. But for example, let us say, sister, that your husband comes to you on the day of marriage, just before the day of marriage or before you take the vows. And he says, honey, for six days of the week, I'll be completely devoted to you. Mind, heart, soul and body. But one day of the week, I will spend time with my girlfriend. Is it okay with you? She was so upset. She said, no pastor, not at all. And the pastor looked at it and he said, if that is how jealous you are about your relationship with your husband, how much more God? Divine warnings should lead you to devotion that is unbreakable. That is the reason why move with godly fear has two aspects. To be devoted, completely committed. That's what pastor was talking about today, this morning, right? You enter into something, you start something in your life, do you finish it? Or you say middle drop? Things are not happening your way, you'll say, okay, 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 I'm not winning, so I'm drop. Those things don't exist anymore. Once you enter into marriage, that is, that's it over. And I'll tell you something. If your devotion is not complete, your wife will know it. You don't have to say, say a lot of things to her. She will know it. And if your devotion to your husband is not complete, your husband will know it. Because that's a mystery. To be devoted. And second aspect is to be cautious. Both these things. That is the reason why it says in Psalm 15. Psalm 15 says, He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints, or rather my devoted ones together to me, those who have made a covenant covenant with me by sacrifice. In other words, they have entered into the covenant and said, Lord, I am committed to you all the way. Think about it. Think about it. Are you committed? Are you committed to the things of God? Are you committed to reading your word? Are you committed to prayer? 
Are you committed to coming to church on time? Are you committed to the service in the kingdom of God? Whatever God has given, given you to be, uh, to, to, to be faithful in, are you committed? Committed. And I remember those days when we started as a church, you know, one of the things when, when pastor was to, uh, he, he called for a second, second Saturday fasting and prayer. The first second Saturday when we started fasting and prayer in our church, he looked at all of us and he was teaching from the book of Nehemiah. And he said, God told me very clearly, God is going to use only those people in this church. Everybody is welcome to attend. But if you want to be used of God, in the service of God, only those people who will separate themselves for fasting and prayer and attend this meeting will be used of God. Commitment. You know what? We were a bunch of young guys over there. Eric, Abel, and Yash, and myself. We took those warnings very seriously. I mean, you can ask pastor. How many meetings did we miss? And we were not in full-time ministry at that time. Totally committed. Completely sold out for that one thing that God has given us. My dear brothers and sisters, we are coming to the end of the age. You want to escape judgment. Ask God. I mean, ask yourself this question this morning. Am I committed to God completely? If I start something, will I finish it? Oh, what a, what a question. I was exactly thinking on the same lines this morning. Suddenly, sudden things will happen and uh, you will say, no, 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 no. I don't want to continue here. It's like this, no? You invested your seed. You want to take the seed out. Is it possible? It's gone? That's the reason I'll tell you something. You want to to be smart? Smart like Jewish people? Okay? Don't spend your life. What should you do? Huh? No, 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 no. Invest it. Don't spend your life. In, and that is exactly the picture that Jesus was using in John's Gospel chapter 12. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. What is that? Investing. You are losing your life. What? Because it is an investment into the kingdom of God. Lot spent his life. Abraham invested it. What do you want to do? What, what do I want to do? Spend it or invest it? This man called Solomon spent his life. What was it? Madness he spent his life on. He spent his life on wine. He spent his life on women. He spent his life on projects. He spent his life on all kinds of entertainment. And think about it. In madness. In other words, in Telugu, tikka tikka. Tikka tikka pan He used to do all tikka tikka things. He is not the original Pawan Kalyan. He is the original Pawan Kalyan. You know Pawan Kalyan's famous dialogue? Now koncham. Ah, uh-huh. tell, tell, tell. Tikka is there. And that has a lekka. Solomon really knew the lekka of Tikka. Mad fellow, he did all kinds of mad things. I mean, I was just, just the other day, uh, in the midst of all this Gaza bombings that was going on, there was this old lady in America, 104 years old. Her final wish was to jump off from the aeroplane with a parachute. 
jump up. 104 years lady. All mad people in California. Bucket list of things to do. And you know what happened? She jumped off and she died of a heart attack. What do you expect? Mad. In the midst of all this bombing that is going on. You know, I'll tell you something. Some of you are mad about movies. You're drunk with movies. You're drunk with entertainment. Your thikka has a lot of lekka. You know what Solomon said? He also spent his life like that. He did not invest it. I wish he invested it. You know what he did? Before the days come when you say, I have no longer any pleasure in them. What a statement, boss. What a statement. What a statement. Before I, before the days come when I say, I don't have. In other words, what you were supposed to enjoy in 70 years, you finished enjoying in 20 years. Gone. Finished. After that, you don't have any meaning for your life. No mean, no more meaning for your life. That's exactly what has happened to young people. You know what they do? They, whatever, what they were supposed to enjoy in marriage after they come to a, 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 an age of responsibility when they know what is marriage, what is responsibility and God gives them that gamut, a, a safe gamut for them to enjoy pleasure. What they do? They enjoy pleasure right in the middle, in the, in the, in the, in the beginning before they are prepared about, prepared for it and they waste their life and they spent their life and they have done all kinds of things by the time they're 20 years old. Now they don't have any reason for them to live anymore. They want to die. You know why? They spent. They did not invest. What are you doing? Spending or investing? That's what we call a seed. I remember when we started our school, seed grant given to us by Sister Elsa and a few others believers, a seed grant. Started small. And so many things. But what we started? What should we do? We have to finish it. We, you know, whatever you start, you finish. No middle drop anywhere, anywhere. I'm not saying that you know uh, you, you you should you should uh, uh, not leave a church where things are going really bad and the, and the, and then uh, and the preaching is going off of balance and things of that nature. But when you are committed to a church where the teaching is is there, when you're being fed the word, it is incumbent upon us to be committed to the body because our eternal security, our eternal rewards depends upon our devotion to God and His body. Our devotion. That is the reason why he says in Luke's Gospel chapter 9. This is what he says. Now it happened as a journey on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow, follow you wherever I go. And you know what he looked at in this man, this boy and he said, boy, I know you have, you've been living a life of comfort. You do not have it in you to go through this rigor of ministry. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, but a son of man has no place to lay his head. Are you okay with that? No guarantees over here. In this life, no guarantees. Are you okay? And, he, and, then, and then he says, says, says to the other one, uh, follow me. And he says, let me just go and bury my father first. He says, let the dead bury the dead. And then this is what he says. Last statement, verse 62. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow 
and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's it. Totally devoted. You get into a relationship, into a marriage, that's it. Over, seal the deal, it's done. Before that, you have choices. After that, no. So be very, very careful. You're entering in with a covenant with God, you be very careful. You're entering into a covenant in the marriage, be very careful. There is no option over here to drop. That is the reason why James chapter 4, this is what he says in James chapter 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is what? Enmity against God. Enmity against God. Understand. The first thing, therefore, if you are divinely warned of God, you have faith that will be, that will cause you to be completely devoted to God. Completely devoted to God. Do you have that faith? Which causes you to completely devoted to God? Have you made a decision? Or is there somebody who's gonna seduce you into thinking that this is okay? Proverbs chapter 2, this is what it says. When wisdom enters your heart, Knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you from what? From what? To deliver you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, and what? Forgets the covenant of our God. Forgot the covenant. It's over. And slowly, 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 you know, the world is very, 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 very subtle. Initially, you were, you were on fire for God. You cut the, the hem of Saul's garment and it convicted you like crazy, like crazy now. Now you are king and you can murder the best of your friends and it will not convict you anymore. You lost it. Slowly, slowly, slowly it creeps in. Very slowly, very subtly. Judges chapter 16, this is what it says. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words. This is Samson. Pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. That he told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come upon me. For I have been a what? Nazareth. You know what that means? I have been a man who has completely devoted himself to God. And one day, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. The Palestinians were upon the Jews one day. And what were they doing? They were having a party. What kind of a party? I don't even want to mention. Understand this. Things are really, really going bad. And we have very little time. now. I know one of the things that I constantly keep asking God, my prayer is, Lord, give me another day, Lord, in the land of the living, so that I can prepare myself for your coming. Give me another day, O Lord, in the land of the living so that I can prepare myself for your coming and I can finish the race that you've called me to finish. Both my own personal life and the race that you have ordained for me. Because I I don't believe that any one of us, any one of us has finished the race. Some of us have just started. Some of us are maybe in the middle, middle, but none of us have finished. So be committed. Be committed to God. Like David. Be committed to God. Like Daniel. Committed. Totally. Sold out for God. Let's go to the next part. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse. This is what it says. Sorry. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 7. So by faith Noah being divinely what? He moved with godly fear. And second thing it says. He prepared an ark. 
what did he do he prepared an ark what is what is preparation let me let me uh, expound this a little bit before we go to the next point what is preparation first put peter chapter 3 who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long suffering waited in the days of noah while the ark was being you see that word prepared the ark was being prepared by whom by noah what is happening on the other side disobedience what is what is noah doing obeying you need you need to understand this order the order is devotion and obedience not obedience and devotion that's exactly what we looked at yesterday also in the in the Q&A session right the order is first devoted to god then obeying the commandments of god this is what it says in romans chapter 6 romans chapter 6 this is what it says do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one slaves whom you obey whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness but god be thanked that though you were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart you see that from where from your heart why because your heart is devoted to god and whatever he says now you begin to obey because you love him as a devotion you love to do to do the things that you that god but God pleases God. I mean, I, that's exactly what we teach our children also, you know. Uh, like Pastor was saying in the morning, you know. Uh, I tell all my children, there is definitely one subject in your mind which you hate. And I said, please don't mention the subject, it will dishearten me. <laughs> I know what you hate. But why do you, why do we insist that you still do it? They all look at me. Where's my student over there? No? They all look at me. I said, you know, why, why do we insist? Why do we insist? I'll tell you why. Because in life, there are so many things that you have to do which you don't like to do. After you got married, so many things that you have to do, you not you don't necessarily like it. Really? But you have to do it. Because now why? Because you are committed to the person. And you do it, even though you don't like it. So what do we do? We teach you things that you hate. What is this? Practice for life. In the process, my hope is, <laughs> my hope, my hope, you know, that desire will be awakened and you will begin to love your subject, whatever the subject is. You begin to enjoy it. Not love, okay? Begin to enjoy it. I mean, I, I remember my professor telling us, no, when you were during our university days, he said, most of you guys, you come because you want to get a job in one IT company. Why do you come to IIT? Because 1.5 crore package, that's what you want. And you will take courses which will give you that package. But when you come to my class, don't be an auditor. You know what auditing is, right? You're not committed to the course. We're just auditing. I'm just going to come and listen to the lecture. Please don't come to my class. I used to be, I used to be one of those teachers, okay? What do you want to do? Sir, I want to audit your course. No auditing, please. Committing and crediting. Meaning what? You are going to go the whole way. Because I don't want to waste my time on you. I will come and shout in the class. We do all kinds of preparation and one, a bunch of students who will say, okay, 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 and not committed to my class. Sorry, I don't want you. 
And then professor said, you know, he said, this is a Christian prof, you know, he said, ask the Lord to give you a genuine desire for the subject. Ask. You never know, bros. Ask the Lord, for example, if you hate math. Lord, give me a desire for math. He can give you exceedingly abundantly, more than you can even ask or even think. I don't know what's going to happen to you. You know what? Some crazy ideas keep coming to my mind. The crazy ideas that keep coming to my mind. I want to just encourage my children. You know what I do? I said, okay, I'll do one thing. Because I have these ideas and I have this experience of sending papers to conferences, and I know this idea, if I sent, it will be accepted in the conference. For sure. Because it's a tested and proven idea. This time what I'm going to do, I'm going to write my name. I'm going to write my wife's name. As authors, co-authors, okay? Vijay Itokota, Jacinthi Itokota, Abigail Itokota, Emmanuel Youth, sorry, Emmanuel Ruth Itokota and Sophia Itokota. All five names I will write. And if the paper gets accepted, they will all be thrilled. You know what? We have a papers in a robotics conference. Suddenly their desire will be... These are all crazy ideas. You wouldn't believe it. I was thinking just yesterday. Maybe I should write a paper and put all these fellows' names. They did nothing. And you know what? I got this idea. Also, Christ also was like that only, you know? He, we did nothing, but he did everything for us. And he put our names. Hoping that one day we will love him. While we were yet sinners, that is Abigail Esther Itokotas. Enemies of God, Ruth Itokota. Without strength, Sophia Itokota. And enemies of God, Jacinthi Itokota. To the subject, I'm saying, you know? Because she hated my PhD. She hated my lab. I'm telling you honestly, she hated my lab. One day, she, before we, just after we got engaged, she came to visit me on the, in, my, in my lab. She came to visit me. And what was I doing? Oh, my wife! Come, come, come. Let me show you the drones. The drones, the drones, and the and the, and the labs, and the broken down equipment, and the and the and the and the and the circuit boards, and everything. And she said, "I came to meet you, not your lab." All these crazy ideas. Obedience, so that I can create that obedience from the heart. You see, that is preparation. You see. Warnings will lead to a faith which will cause you to be devoted to God and will lead you to unquestioning obedience to Christ because you love Him. So Abigail should say, because my dad loves this, let me do it. And one day, maybe, 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 maybe she will begin to enjoy it. Till now I didn't see any signs of those things in her. (laughs) No, except, except, except one. Okay. I'm, I'm not boasting about my children. The other day she said, Papa. And I mean, mother says, okay, that's it. Time up, time up, 11.30. Come on, go to bed. Time to go to bed. And he, she said, you know one thing. She said, no, 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 Mama. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to study till 3 o'clock. She said, I said, Mama, my baby, my baby. This is, this is lab creature. And she said, no way. You're not going to do that. You're not going to go the way of your father. Go to bed. Okay. Enemies of robotics. Okay, so <laughs> you see, you see, you see, you see. 
I didn't, I mean, I was, these are all things that are going on in my mind, okay? She, these are the things that are going on in my mind. So when they say, my child says, I want to study till three o'clock in the morning, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is me. This is me. And suddenly somebody will come and pour water on that. Go to sleep. Obedience from the heart. Obedience from the heart. Prepare. That is how you prepare. You see, the guy who's prepared for an exam, he's prepared because he's prepared for it from the heart. People who just want to clear an examination will not clear an examination. They have a heart for it. They've given themselves to it. They've devoted themselves to that success. They love it. You know what? That is the reason why Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is what he says. Let no one despise you your despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in the in word, in conduct, in life, in love, in spirit, and in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, to not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of, of the eldership. And then what? Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them. That your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. This is preparation. This is what? Preparation. So, warnings. Divine warnings should lead to a life of faith. Which will cause you to have a devoted life, a life of absolute devotion towards God. Committed totally. That is the reason why if you read Psalm 119, with my whole heart, 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 Lord, and if there's no, there's no whole, whole heart, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. With my whole heart. Devoted. And what did he do? He prepared. How? By obeying. He showed a lifestyle of obedience from the heart. Because now his heart is completely, that is the reason why. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And when you do that, it's easy. His commands will not be burdens. Mood with godly fear. Prepared the ark. Then what did he do? After he did this, third thing, he, what did he do? He condemned the world. He condemned the world. Now, think about what is, what is, how do you think, how do you think about, how do, how does my life condemn the world? I I was just thinking on those lines. How does my life condemn the world? John's Gospel chapter 3. This is what it says. And this is the condemnation. Everybody say condemnation. Okay. How did, what, what happened over here? This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. What brought condemnation into the world? Answer is yes, thank you. Light brought condemnation. So if I have to become a person who will condemn the world, I should be a light. Okay, very straightforward. But what happened to men? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were 
evil for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest their deeds be exposed the question therefore is if my life has to condemn the world i have to be a light in the world because jesus himself said you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of this world but the point here is this how does one become light and your answer is when do you bring shed abroad light naturally when does something give out light when it is when it is answer uh, let me give you the answer as well john's gospel chapter 5 verse 35 this is talking about john the baptist john's gospel chapter 5 verse 35 oh, oh. sorry 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 okay that was a surprise he was burning and shining lamp why was he why was he shining because he was burning okay now you got this concept no you have to be a light in order to give out light you should burn only then light will come out so let us go into a small tutorial in basic physics okay basic fundamental physics very very simple this is a simple electrical circuit because pastor james uses all these examples so switches like faith uh, power is grace your know, faith is accessing the power etc so i'm using those examples only very simple what is this what is this what is it the light bulb no what is it giving light this is the source of power that is switch this is the grace of god the power of the holy spirit if you want to access the grace of god you need to have faith and once you have the faith connected to the power of grace power will start flowing but in order for you to give out light what should happen what should happen it should start burning burning but when will it burn point is this when will a light bulb burn i see 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 okay well, let me ask you this question in a different way power is there switches there bulb is there question is why is the light bulb burning why why see 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 you still not get it mm. when you are in uh, winter one of the things that they ask you to do is keep running when you run what happens your body temperature increases why are why does your body temperature increase you're working against something which is stopping you from working why does the light bulb burn thank you see samir that is what i wanted what is the answer it has got resistance everybody say resistance aha <laughs> there is burning of the light because there is a resistance that is offered by the lamp you don't understand question is what is this resistance for the power of god to flow through your life there should be a resistance to sin in your life what is resistance the ability to say no 
See, get the, get the, get the concept here. Get the, get the, get the logic. The uh, logic is this. I have to be a light. If I have to condemn the world, I should be a light in the world. If I have to be a light in the world, I should be burning for God. If I, I should be burning for God, I should offer some kind of a resistance to the things that are outside. What the Bible says is this. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God, that is the power of God, that has appeared, that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us to say, what does it teach to say? What is saying no? Resisting. If you start resisting the onslaught of this world in your life, if you have it in you, the capacity to resist the onslaught, what is going to happen? The power of God is going to flow through your life and you will start burning. You understand? Burning. The question is, how much is the resistance? How much is the resistance? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what he says. This is this is how we burn. By resisting. The question is, how much is your resistance? The problem is with, 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 with if you look at Lot's life, no? Lot, he says, he pitched his tent close to Sodom. Then after a while, he built a house in Sodom. Now what has happened now? He became a guy who is an elder in the gates of Sodom. What has happened to him? Over a period of time, he lost his ability to resist. And what happened? And therefore there is no burning and therefore there is no light. And when people, when he goes and wants people and says, come on, God is going to destroy these people. Escape from here. You know what they, should do, what they do to him? They start laughing. You know why? Because there is no light. Why? Because there is no resistance. And therefore there is no resistance, there is no burning, and there is no witness. How strong is your resistance? That is what pastor was talking about. Endurance. Do you have endurance? This is what love is, my dear brothers. Love suffers how, how long and is kind. It has the ability to endure. What is the reason why God gives us children? To teach us endurance. And the, we want them to change overnight. It's not going to happen. We want suddenly everything to happen. No, this is not. See, it's not about the child. It's about you. <laughs> okay. It's about you. God brings people into your life who are difficult. To see how much you resist the, the urge to retaliate. Can you resist? Can you, what we say, be resilient in your, uh, can you abstain from showing, or from acting unkindly or saying things which are out of turn? Or do you just blurt out? Joseph resisted. How long? Every day. Madam used to come and used to tempt him and tempt him with words and he used to say, no. 
No, 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 no. Resistance. And you know how resistance starts? It starts with little, little things in your life. Daniel's resistance started right there at food, with food. He says, no to food. And one day, it says, the king's addict says, you are not to pray. And what does he say? No. You can be a light by resisting the pattern of this world. You know what? Your dress should be a protest. What should it be? Protest. One young man came to church with torn jeans. Okay. And I said, I mean, I was thinking about why does he wear torn jeans? He's protesting that I'm not like you. I'm against you. So I was thinking, Lord, what should I do? I mean, this is what, I'm not pointing at anybody, okay? Just don't think about this young man, okay? The Lord said, you know what, Vijay? Let your dressing be a protest as well. Dress formal all the time. Why do you dress formal all the time? It is my protest. It is your resistance, this is my resistance. And if you continue to do this, next day I will come, come with a tie. And next time I will come with a blazer. What am I doing? Resisting. Resisting. Today I looked at Jaden and looked at him, looked at his dress. I said, boy, Jaden, you look so handsome, man. What's that? Nice formal shirt, formal band with a belt. I said, boy, fantastic. What is he doing? Resisting. You go to office, everybody is wearing all kinds of clothing. But you wear a dress which is a protest. You're not condemning them. You're very gentle, you're very kind, but you will not do the same thing that they do. You wear the same dress, they also wear the same dress. You watch the same movies, you also watch the same movies. You also go for weekend pubs and meetings and everything, etc. They also do the same thing. What is the difference between you and them? Salt has lotted savor, but every salt will be salted with what? Fire. Resistance is important. Otherwise, you will be just like this world. And what? How did Noah condemn the world? Because he resisted. Do you resist? Do we have the strength to resist? Look at one man. No, I mean, this is fires me up every time I look at this guy. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned, planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Bah, what a statement. They did an entire character study about Daniel. Can we find some kind of a glitch in his character? No. Excellent in all his affairs. You know why? It started then. Right from the beginning. He never compromised with this world. Daniel chapter 6 again, it goes on to say, they could find no corruption in him. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. 
You also take bribes. They also take bribes. There's no resistance at all. I was telling the young people one day, I said, during the Telugu service, I said, okay, this is the life that we should live. Okay, how many of us are living this life? None of us. But are we at least feeling bad about the fact that we are not living this life? That's the point. Lord, where am I? I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When I have compromise in my life, there is not even an iota of resistance in my life. I so easily give up. When will you burn? I'll tell you something. Why was John called the burning and shining light? You know what? Right from the beginning, God did not make things easy for him. Where did he put him? In the wilderness. What was his clothing? A protest. What was his food? A protest. What was his message? A protest. It was a resistance. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to talk about an iconoclast par excellence, it's John. Went ahead, went against the flow of things. But the problem is, what does the world do? It will dull us slowly. Slowly, 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 slowly. That, that is how the world does it, no? It starts getting you used to rich and lavish lifestyle. I said, pastor was talking about that, no? A man is earning incredible amounts of money and after that, he's, 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 uh, he's, he's got a lot of things in his home. One day he loses his job. How do we think? Is our minds on the things of this world or are we building up, a, building relationships? And I was thinking about this. You know, that's exactly how the world does. The world does this. First of all, it says, you need at least roti kapada. Okay, that is the Bible. But the world does one extra. Roti, kapada, makan. Bible only says two things. Roti and kapada. What does the, what does the uh, world say? Roti, kapada, makan. Fine. We need a roof to live. Then it says, roti, kapada, makan, gadi. Which gadi? Okay, gadi also we need. Which gadi? That's also important. So, roti, kapada, makan, not one gadi now. Roti, kapada, makan, do gadi. No, no, do gadi is also not important. No. Roti, kapada, makan, do ghar, or do gadi. I mean, just, just think about it. The other day I was just walking down uh, Kishtama Enclave. One brother was coming from the, from, uh, he was, he was driving that, that lane and he looked at me and he, he already bought a house, okay? He already bought a house. I'm not saying you should not invest, okay? You should be smart. And he looked at me and I said, hi brother, how are you doing? And he said, uh, uh, I'm just uh, visiting this apartment. I said, oh, this is a new apartment over here. I didn't even see it. I said, I purchased this apartment. I said, oh my goodness, you already purchased? I thought you already had an apartment. Now what? One apartment? Two apartment? EMI. When the job goes, EMI goes, everything goes. Look at the tension. So what happens now? Your, your, your li- entire life is now connected with those things because you've got used to that lavish lifestyle. So in companies will give you what? Food? Sodexo coupons? All the perks? All the medical facilities? Everything? And one day, everything is gone. What will happen to you? Are you used to a simple lifestyle? 
That is the reason why fasting is so important. That's what he says. He is a burning and shining light. You know why? Because this guy is not used to pleasure. I put him in the wilderness for how many years? 30 years. He's going to be a person who's going to resist and he's going to condemn the world because of his lifestyle. Does your lifestyle condemn the world? Forget about the world. People in your own office. Forget about the people in your own office. People in your own Christian circle. Or do you choose your Christian circle also very carefully? (laughs) Think about it. Because we are receiving a a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There was one lady, you know, in the Bible. Very fired up lady. Used to be really, really on, on fire for God. One day her uncle started fasting because he said something is hap- going to happen to the Jewish people. He put on sackcloth and ashes. You know the story. Who's this person? Mordecai. Mordecai started fasting. And Esther heard, she's in the palace now, she heard that Mordecai is fasting and praying. So then she said, why is my uncle fasting and praying? Maybe he lost his job. Let me send him some food and some clothes. So she sent him some food and some clothes and that guy returned the food and returned the clothes. What happened to you, Esther? You are in the palace and you are completely forgotten about what is happening to your own people? Do you know what, what is happening to your own people? Do something about it. You know what she says? If I go to the king, he might kill me. Madam, you are in the palace. You lost your resistance. This is the time to, for you to shine as a light for your people. Start burning. Go on a fast. Start praying. And save your people. You see? Why do people don't shine in this world as lights? Because there is no resistance in their lives. They have given themselves completely to the things of this world. They cannot give up even one single Sunday or even a Saturday for a, for a fasting and prayer. Think about it. Think about it. How, how weak we have become spiritually. And one day, the Philistines will be upon us. Slowly like Samson, slowly, slowly, one compromise, another compromise, another compromise, another compromise. Slowly he lost his resistance. And what did Delilah say? Samson, how can I destroy your life? Right? Direct question. I do not, not even, no other indirect question. How can I destroy you? Finally, he gave in. You know why? Because he lost his resistance. He forgot that he was a Nazarite. Does your life condemn the world? Does your life condemn the world? Esther chapter 4, this is what it says. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the, for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? She started praying. She started fasting. And you know what happened after that. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What should you do? Resist him. Resist him. Standing firm in your faith. Hebrews chapter 12. This is what it says. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. This is Jesus. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. People don't even struggle. At least if you have a struggle, it's great because you're assisting. 
you have not resisted against you see that resisted to the point of shedding your blood and have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses a son it says my son do not make light of the lord's discipline understand this offer resistance my dear brothers so how do you do that start fasting start praying another thing you that how you burn for god is this you know when you come together as a family or brothers at least two three brothers come together start praying already the lord told me whom i should talk to two three brothers who will come start praying i know who the who are really committed and who will really you know back themselves up and say you know what i'm there two three brothers come start praying start fasting start seeking the lord because this is the time because when you stay close to each other you burn you know what the, that's that's exactly what it says in ecclesiastes chapter 9 chapter 9 two is better than one because if one falls a little cold the other can fire him up you'll burn together it is together you'll be able to prove the length and the width and the height and the breadth of the love of god and what does the devil want to do slowly take you away from fellowship one one step by step by step by step by step and one day you are out and you are lost your fire lost your anointing now you are just like the world prepared for judgment and not for god i've seen so many people like that in my 15 years in the church slowly it starts it is so subtle my dear brothers it is so subtle one step by at a time you know so you'll say it's okay i can listen to it online you know this youtube is such a terrible thing in one way you know why because it says okay i can you, i can listen to it later i don't have to attend the meeting because it's already being recorded i can or, or i can watch it live you no know, you can watch it live if you do not have the 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 the, the, free, the freedom or the the opportunity to make yourself free and come to, come for a service but but if you do have the opportunity why don't you come like pastor was saying yesterday because even as you say see that day approaching what should you do gather yourself more often so that you can burn the anointing of all god's people you know i'll tell you something the worship on pastors conference is so different from any of every other day and the word of course word of course always different i'm talking about even the worship because it's a, because these are a, at least a, a few of them at least are totally sold out for god i know i know the i know the pastors pastors talking about who who's who status even i see on on the internet boy they are on fire for god simple people don't lose your resistance don't lose your resistance burn for god and by doing so you will condemn the world so let's go back now so what happened to him he was divinely born he had the faith which caused him to be devoted to god he led a lifestyle of obedience to god and he resisted temptation he i mean he resisted his flesh he resisted the devil and he had a life which was burning as a light and he condemned the world and what happened after all this together the result of this is he became a heir and who inherits all things revelation chapter 21 and verse number 7 he who overcomes you know what overcome is the person who has resisted and who has come through what does he become he becomes a heir of how many things all things kya baat hai i like the word all things all things 
John's Gospel chapter 13 will talk about that. Jesus knowing that all things were given to him, given to him in his hand. The very same things that Jesus has in his hand, you will also become an heir. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my, not my child. He shall be my son. Why is he a son now? Because he has learned to resist. Now he's got the capacity in his mind. He's got the character to be able to hold the inheritance that God gives him. Galatians chapter 4 and verses 1 onwards. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 onwards. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child. And what does a child not have? Resistance. Right? Both physical resistance and all the other kinds of resistance, right? So when uh, Abigail was born, all small children when they were born, what do we ch- say, say the, tell, tell the visitors who come to see the child? First of all, please show, show us your hand. We'll put some sanitizer. Why? Not for your sake, for the child's sake. But why? Because the child does not have resistance. But now we have become a son now. He does not differ from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were still in bondage under the elements of this world. We did not condemn the world. We were under, still under bondage under the elements of this world. But once you become an heir, you are a son now. You have learned to resist. You learn to practice. You learn to take responsibilities. Now what has happened? You have come to a maturity. Now you can inherit how many things? All things. Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household. Why? Because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You made the ark. What does God say? Come into the ark. I have seen your life. I've seen your testimony. I've seen you righteous. You obeyed for 120 years. You built according to pattern. So many times, you know, he must have not built according to pattern. God would have said, no, not this. That is too much. That work is too much. Cut that thing off. Put this thing. You know, God kept on correcting him and disciplining him. And over a period of time, he understood how to build his life. And then he built his life. And God saw that. And he said, you know what? Enter. I saw you. I saw your household. You have been perfect before me. Righteous in this generation. Enter into the ark. And what has happened? They escape judgment. They come through judgment. As a result, what do they do? They inherit all things. One of the, way, one of the things that I judge myself constantly. The resistance that I had for a particular sin when I was, let's say, 10 years in the Lord. The resistance that I have for the same sin today, have I compromised? Am I still fighting it? Is the question. You should ask yourself, do you have resistance? Do you have the ability to say no? Hmm? Ask, ask. Otherwise, what happens? We will be swept with this generation. We will become a part of this generation. We should be people who are saved from this generation. Just keep this in mind. Noah being divinely warned, this warnings led him to a lifestyle of faith. He became devoted to God. Prepared the ark. In that, he had a lifestyle of obedience from his heart. He burnt as a light in this world. He condemned the world. Finally, he became an heir. 
by escaping judgment. So this morning, the end of all things is at hand. Every time now I look at, I mean, one of the things I'm watching nowadays is only Gaza, BBC, CNN, and Fox. Forget about election in MP also. That is also not, is irrelevant for me now. Elections in India don't matter anymore. What matters? It's little matters. And when you see these things happening in increasing frequency, he is there, right there at the door. The question this morning for all of us is, do we have resistance and are we burning for God? Let's stand up this morning. Let's stand up this morning in his presence. And let's recommit our lives to God. Recommit. Recommit. Every time we come for a meeting, it's a meeting for making our covenant strong and sure. Bible says, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold, wax cold, becomes cold. They they stop burning for God. Paul also tells Timothy, fan back to flames the gift that was inside of you, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. And all the trials and the temptations and all the things that have been happening happening to me, let it not discourage you. Fan back to flames. Stir up the gift that is inside of you. And many of us have been given incredible gifts. They have been lying dormant. Let the light of God come this morning and rekindle that passion for you, for God. Rekindle that gift so that you can use that gift for the glory of God. Every one of us has gifts. Let us use it for God. This morning, let's recommit our lives. Very simple. If you have lost resistance and you have been compromising with the world, say, Lord, I've lost my resistance. There's no resistance in my life. I easily give in to sin. I cannot even give up one meal. Lord, grant me grace so that I can fast. (coughs) I don't want to do it in my own strength. I don't want to give up easily. I don't have endurance. Grant me endurance. Grant me the grace so that I can perceive her. I will perceive her. I will not give up easily. In my relationships, in my word life, in my prayer life, in my commitment to the body of Christ, <clears throat> some of us have not even made a commitment. Maybe you should. In small things, you can. All of us have the ability to give. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Leech has two daughters. All they say is give me, give me. But the son of Adam has so many sons who are only takers and not givers. All the sons of Adam. But we are no longer in Adam. We are in Christ. God has given us a new birth and he has given us gifts to serve one another. Bible says, love covers an all, covers a multitude of sins and as each one have, of you have been given a gift according to the grace of God. If those who prophesy, let them prophesy as the oracles of God and those who are given the gift of hospitality, let them show hospitality with kindness and not grumbling in the power and strength that God provides so that in all things God might be glorified. Every one of us has been given a gift. Every one of us has something that can they, that they can offer to God. But let us make a commitment in little things. 
the warnings of God strengthened the faith of Noah, caused him to devote his life to God, caused him to prepare himself through a lifestyle of obedience from his heart, caused him to burn for God and shine as a light and therefore condemn the world and be a witness in this world. God's warnings, don't take them lightly. <coughs> because to whom much is given, much will be required. And we have given, we've been given opportunities of, after opportunities. And let us not waste any of them and say, Lord, I want to commit myself for Lord. Many of, many of us, God has got an incredible plan for all of us. Every one of us. There's not one person in here who is just a small ordinary believer. Yes, in our mundane lives, God has given us little things, but even in those little things, the little tiffin that God, that boy had, little thing that when he surrendered to Jesus, he was able to feed 5,000, those little things. You give it to God. Surrender your life to God. And say, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to spend my life. I want to invest my life in your kingdom, into your kingdom. Because you said, except a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. I want to bear fruit, O Lord. I want to be a blessing to others. And therefore, O Lord, I want to invest myself into your kingdom. I want to give myself to you, O Lord. Because I know, Lord, if my if I give myself to you, I will not lose at all in this life and even in the life to come. Father, this morning, all of us at so many places in our lives, in so many points in our lives, we have been unfaithful. We have just not taken the gifts that you have given to us seriously. We've been slack. We've been sloppy. Forgive us. Enable us, Lord Jesus, to burn for you. Enable us, Lord Jesus, not to become compromisers in this world, but enable us to resist the patterns of this world. Enable us to burn for you. Let not our love grow cold, O Lord. Because lawlessness will abound, the Bible says. Iniquity will abound. But the Lord says, He knows those who are His and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will run away, depart from iniquity. Not because He doesn't like iniquity. He loves God more. He loves God. He's devoted to God. And He wants to burn for God. Father, this morning, strengthen us in our resolve. Many of us who have been given gifts, Lord, I pray you would fan those gifts back to flames again. Enable us, Lord Jesus, not to give up on our fasting, on our praying, on our seeking you in the word, in those little, little things that you've entrusted into our hands. Enable us to do it with all of our heart. Totally committed to you in little things. Faithful to you in little things. Loyal to you in little things. In our relationships. In our attitude towards money. In our attitudes towards the body of Christ. Grant us grace. Grant us grace, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Commit all of us into your hands. Yes, Lord. Things don't look good. But Lord, for us, it is preparation. You're just warning us. You're giving us, you're giving us warning after warning. And I pray, Lord, all of us will take it seriously. We'll go back homes to our homes, O Lord. And we will, Lord, 
seek to spend time with you. Get our life straightened up with you. Have a clear conscience with God. Have a clear conscience with man. And Lord, we'll live a life that will be a witness to this generation. Grant us grace to that when we pray. Help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Commit all my brothers and sisters into your hands. Watch over us, O Lord, through this week. In our goings out and our comings in. Wherever we go, let us be a blessing. Blessed when we go out. Blessed when we come in. And enable us to be a witness by burning for you wherever we are placed in this world, in the body, and whatever we do, enable us to do for the glory of God. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.